welcome to the Grant Tyler Podcast. I'm Tyler. Mistakes were made. Right, I put the mic in my hands like this. Oh my. The levels are off the chart. Are they really? No. That's what my doctor says. <laughs> On the what chart though? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter? <laughs> we have been MIA. Missing in action. That's what that stands for. Yeah. Did you not know that? Well, I was just was like, you know, what's Mia got to do with this? That's true. All the Mias in the world are probably like... Kidding. I knew what it meant, guys. <laughs> uh, well, our last podcast came out, do you know, October 5th? Mm. So it's been a little... Spooky. It's been a little bit. We've been promising you Jesus is the fulfillment of the law for this episode. But in a noob move, <laughs> I let my computer die. And the recording of it died with it. Yeah. Kind of, you know, makes it think like we're supposed to die every day. Die unless yourself. You're, yeah. Unless you're a computer, though. Yeah. Computers aren't supposed to do that. But, you know, we're trying to resurrect it. <laughs> we're Themes. trying to be like Jesus. Themes. In this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've missed this, if you can't tell. Uh, but, yeah, then we kind of got crazy, busy life. You don't care. You're here for the podcast. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to tackle Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And like I've said, we've had this conversation and we were like, that was the best we've had. <laughs> and so here we are. Hopefully we have another best. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Grant, I think the only place to start is where. what is the law? Yeah. Um so the Israelites were coming out of slavery within Egypt. Mm. Um, they had been um, under oppression for 400 years. Long time. Um, much of their life revolved around um, making bricks and stones. and Out of hay and straw, not straw, straw, bricks. You would know better than me. Yeah. He's kind of a construction guru. I'm pretty sure it's like. They had to bind all this stuff together and make bricks. Mm -hmm. And straw was one of the things. So, And a lot of their self-worth and value was put in the work that they did. Mm. Um, and so, you Sound know. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Um, they were put under these restrictions and a lot of the food or, or things that they would bring home, even like getting better positions within the work that they were doing relied on how much they could produce or make. And so their worth was wrapped up in those things. And so um, as God saved them from the slavery that they were experiencing in Egypt, they were brought into the wilderness um, led by Moses. God wanted to um, instruct them and give them new ways to live because they were now free. Um, and so if, if you know anything within society or culture um freedom is a good thing yeah. um but just like here in the united states of america freedom doesn't mean anarchy we you know can that do whatever you want yeah we know that there are laws actually allow for um more freedom in a certain way and so um well it allows that your freedom doesn't unhinge my freedom yeah and just to have guardrails and boundaries Mm -hmm. to live in a society. Yeah. And so if there's anarchy, 
there still can be oppression and things like that. And so God is instructing and giving his people a way in which um, they can govern themselves. Um, And so that would be kind of a practical aspect of the law. And some of it, well, all of it is like good wisdom and advice and things to carry out for the people. But the main purpose of the law was that at the beginning, like we talked about, um, we as humans experienced what a lot of people call the fall, where sin entered the world and we chose um, sin and to worship ourselves and wanting to do things and be our own God rather than to submit and humble ourselves before, before God. God. And yeah. so the law is now a, a point in which we now can recognize um, just how sinful we are and how much we miss the mark. But it's also a way in which God said, I still want to be in relationship with you, um, but it's not possible for my holiness to be in the same um, room with your unholiness and uncleanliness. Um, I, My light will destroy the darkness within you. Yeah. Um, and so we actually see this several times where people who don't follow the law or don't follow what God says and they put themselves in God's presence without taking the proper precautions. They would just die. And they, yeah, they would burn up. They would die instantly. It was crazy. And so going to God without reverence or respect for his holiness um, could not happen. And so God gave the Israelite people a way to still be in relationship with him. Um, but he says, you're going to have to follow some of these things so that you can even just be in my presence. And also I can be among you. Like, yeah. w- for one, I don't want to step on your poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So for God to dwell with among the people within the tabernacle and then eventually later the temple, he's like, you guys are going to have to clean some things up. Yeah. Both physically, but also like within your own hearts. Yeah. And I think what we know, I mean, it was popular, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. but there was like 613 total commandments. Yeah. And um, what happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the the people of the day, the Pharisees and the rule teachers of the day would add to the law and make it even more strict. So then you could not even come closer to sinning. Right. And so then it all became about not sinning mm-hmm. and not about the relationship with God. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard this metaphor before with um, when it comes to relationships, romantic relationships mm. in which Ooh la la. Um, <laughs> people always kind of want to know, like, where's the line? Yeah. Like, what, what is how far is too far? And I heard someone say before, like, that shouldn't be our question. Like, it's the wrong question. Like, how do we become more holy in what we're doing? Like, should we, do we really want to toe the line of what God believes is like, okay and wrong? Or should we be like looking to go as far from that line as possible and, and step into God's holiness? Um, and so what the, a lot of the rules and things that the Pharisees were doing was, they were wanting to say, well, this this specific law that God gave us is, you know, there's too much interpretation. 
And so we're going to make it more specific so that people don't find themselves in sin. And they were drawing these lines that God had never drawn himself. Right. Because we as humans, we like instructions. Yes. (laughs) I remember uh, one time I had a professor who um, gave us a research paper or something. And someone asked, well, how long should it be? And he said, just however long you need to, to make your point. And there were people like freaking out. They're like, I need to know how long it needs to be. Yeah. I need, it needs a page number. It needs a word count or something. And it's just, it highlights that our need for those things because we want to be in control. We want there to just be a clear task um, that we can live up to. Yeah. Um, but that's not always how God or this universe um, works completely agree mm-hmm. um one thing i mean today and our where we're at now it's kind of you look back at jesus and who he is and um you are like okay well if jesus came and fulfilled what the role he said it is um then why do we even need the law? And you kind of, you mentioned that, but I, I want to speak to that in a way that's a little different because uh, it's Galatians three nineteen through 22. Paul mentions that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, why then was the law given at all? Hmm, good question, Grant. <laughs> it was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies that there is more more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. That means like if you did follow the law, then you could be righteous. You could be right with God. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin. So that that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So, Let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Um, is there a line that sticks out to you? or Because like you, you talk about it, it's like the mediator. You know, It's more of like lawful language and the point of the law. To me, what sticks out is if you were able to, basically, if, you, if, for if the law had been given, that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. So it's like if you were able to live up to it without sacrifice, like sacrifice of animals to, to make yourself right with God, you know? Yeah. I I think the law is an important aspect that sometimes gets overlooked today. And I, I think a lot of like, if I could summarize like one thing that Paul's trying to like get at here, um, to me, it's that, the law is important because it, it demonstrates how sinful we are and that we need someone who is more righteous than us to save us. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't believe that you're in need of a savior, 
then you'll never ask for help and you'll never need saving because you don't believe, you know, if you're stuck in a pit, but you don't believe you're stuck in a pit, yeah, you're not going to reach your hand out for someone to save you yeah, um, or even call out. And so God is demonstrating to the people like, okay, from the, from the very first fall, like, okay, you want to be your own God. You want to do all of these things. You want to try to be me. Like, let's see if you can do it. Let's see if you can live up to my righteousness. Yeah. Um, and then the law is there and, and it's pointing out like, wow, we fall so short of the glory of God. And the point of that isn't to shame us. Yeah. It's not to make us feel bad. Mm-hmm. It's the point is like God saying, hey, I want relationship with you mm-hmm. and you can't do that on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in in a, in a certain way, like I don't think we always like to hear this, but like God does want a relationship with you, but it's a relationship on His terms, right? And so um, He's like, I, I want to be in relationship with you, but you also have to understand like the relationship that exists between us. But that that's not some. I mean, obviously, people don't like hearing that, but that's not something. That should be surprising. Yeah. Because if God is the creator of the universe, like if you go down this whole path and mm-hmm. you think about it, put your big, big boy brain on yeah, and you think about it and say, if God is the creator of this world mm-hmm. and he put the laws of physics, the laws of how this world goes together mm-hmm. and then, okay, he made us for a purpose all right. It makes sense yeah. that he would want us to live a certain way mm-hmm. to have a relationship with him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to for, fair to say that he gives us choice. Yeah. And, and I think people get caught up on hell. Mm-hmm. I think it get people get caught up on, well, I don't want a God that just wants to send me to hell. And it's like, I really think you've missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you're saying like he wants to send you, like yeah. the aspect is he wants a relationship with you, but once again you have to understand your place. The the son can't say to the father, like, no, you're not in charge of me. Yeah. We would look at kids like that in society and be like, unless they're being abused or like you know, that's not a loving father, which is not the case with God. Yeah. Like you're thinking of you look at that kid and you're like, that's a brat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but got a punchable face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but then we, we go and we're like, well, I don't understand like why like God has to be so much in charge or in control. But um, yeah, that's the aspect that he's calling us into relationship. When we say God wants a relationship with you, it's as your Lord and as your savior, yeah, that means you're submitting to what he has for your life, not your own will, but his. And it's acknowledging once again that you are sinful and that you would not be able to save yourself without the gift of Jesus and his sacrifice. There is no chance for you to become righteous and save yourself. You are falling short and God shows us that through the law. And so the law is so important because it once again, it shows us that without Jesus, we are dead in our sin. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and yeah, I think the important part is when you're thinking about that, like 
Mm -hmm. that train of thought you get so discentered on what God is doing Mm -hmm. and you can hear all these things from society Mm -hmm. and it can start to make sense in like little sound bites. Mm -hmm. But then if you take things to like the bigger picture, it doesn't really add up. It doesn't make sense. But with God, it's like sometimes it's almost the opposite where like these little sound bites don't make sense. But then when you look at the full picture, it's like, Oh, that's what God is doing. Yeah. (laughs) And like as Christians, we, we often like make this claim all the time about the Bible and the story of God. And we're like, it's the greatest story ever told or like Christmas time comes along. We say it's the greatest story ever told. But like when we say that, like it can be easy to just like dismiss that and be like, Oh yeah. But like it, it literally is like, this is what we base modern stories on. This is what we like come to terms with. Like, Oh, like we leave a movie theater or we read a book and we're like, that's a great story. It's a story of a character who like gets cast out of the, the world that they live in. And then they go through an experience and a journey. They experience some type of tribulation that goes on in their life. And then there comes to a point, a climax where you think like, how in the world are they going to get out of this situation? And then the resolution happens and the character becomes a a new person or is changed because of the experience. And we have some sort of resolution Now Hollywood's trying to switch that formula up a little bit um, or a lot a bit lately by not having tons of resolution. But most of the time, like when we think of a good story, we think of a happy ending, all these things, but that comes from the story of the Bible and that like we were lost, we were dead in our sin. And the law is so important to that because it shows us like that point in which it's like, there is no hope we are lost. And for those three days, you know, it's like Jesus is dead and everyone's wondering like, what is going to happen? Yeah. Like, how is this going to happen? Like, who's going to save us now? This was supposed to be the Messiah. Yeah. And then Jesus conquers death and raises from the dead. And because of that, like we also can conquer death and rise from the dead. And like his sacrifice means so much more because Jesus died like in in Romans 5, 8, when it talks about he died for us while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners. And so like that's if you don't understand the law, the gravity of his sacrifice and his like outrageous love like doesn't come into like you don't think about those things as much because once again, you're like, what? Yeah, Jesus is a savior. But it's like if you don't truly believe deep down that you're in need of a savior, like Jesus can't be your savior. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, two, two things off that, like one, oh, there are people that don't think they're in need of a savior. Yeah. But then the other thing that came to my mind is sometimes people are just don't want to admit it. Yeah. They're hesitant to admit <laughs> that they aren't perfect. They're mm-hmm. hesitant to admit that, you know, they are a sinner mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I think there's more people that are hesitant to, to say that than there are that just don't believe it. Yeah. I think, and I think most people deep down, if they're like, can look in the mirror and be honest, like realize that they're not perfect. And that's why they hate themselves. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I've heard so many people that will go and like, I don't want to go to church because I don't want to hear about how bad of a person I am or yeah. like all this stuff. Have some preacher, hypocritical person tell me that I'm a bad person. And Which is like, kind of funny. I've never been to a service where it's like, man, that guy is awful. It's all about who Jesus is and how yeah. we can be like, like yeah. we, we're invited to be like him and die to ourselves mm-hmm. and live a new life. And I'm sure there's some hypocritical teach like preachers. I mean, I know I can be yeah. hypocritical at times, but, but I think, but I think that's the point. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can be a Christ follower and not ever like and never be a hypocrite. Yeah. And and I and I think there's different levels to that. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one that's like man, like everything he does is just the opposite of what. You know, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to be that. But like there's time, you know, there's different things in my life over time that it's like, oh, you can point to this or point to that and mm-hmm. hopefully it's few and far between. Mm-hmm. But it's like you can point to those things and say, "Oh, he's just a hypocrite." And I try not to be, mm-hmm. you know, I try to die to myself and try to live, you know, but that's like literally the point of this conversation yeah. as, as you know, spoiler alert, Jesus covers that, you know, mm-hmm. and I, you obviously you want to minimize those things yeah. and, and, and not live that life. But to say that's just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cop out. Well, and yeah, it goes back to what you were saying too, of like to say it very bluntly, it's like you either acknowledge that you're a sinner or you're delusional. Yeah. Like everyone has skeletons in their closet. Yeah. Everyone knows that there's things in their life that they've done either to themselves or others that they are not proud of, that they are ashamed of, that they have things. And the only difference, um, and I was, I was saying this the other day to the middle schoolers was, um, like I'm not greater than anyone else. I'm not better than anyone else, but my God is greater than everyone else and what they believe in, unless it's my God, you know? And I haven't sinned any less than anyone else. Yeah. But like my record is clean because Jesus has cleaned it for me and given me his grace. And when you live that life, man, what confidence you can walk into a room with. Yeah. You know, what confidence you can um, go through town with, go to the schools and go, you know, go around. Like you can do like with that confidence, mm-hmm. not arrogance. Yeah. It's not because of you. You could you can walk into any room with that type of confidence because mm-hmm. of who God is, not because of who grant or tyler is yeah and it's that like the confidence that that paul talks about like boasting in christ yeah like i don't believe that i am better than anyone else but i do believe that jesus is so much better than everyone else yes and i and i do believe jesus is better than you and i do believe that you need him and i do believe that i need him and that if we can't acknowledge that we need him like we can't make him lord over our lives yes 100 percent um, to kind of go along the same lines, but shift a little bit. It's almost Christmas. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Christmas tradition. Yeah. Um, I always like just reading through Luke chapter two and just like the treasure that that is like, yeah. how cool is it that Luke was like, 
out of the four gospels it's like hey this needs to be in here yeah <laughs> and uh just recording that history and the the time of jesus's birth and the cool things that happened with that i mean god appearing before the shepherds like he did talked about that recently with the middle schoolers once again of just yeah. like god chooses to share like the best news israel's gotten in you know hundreds of years and he shares it with the lowest people in society yeah and that's like how jesus's birth is he's born in a manger where there's no room to stay he's born to a family that has probably been abandoned by the rest of their family because they felt like they were unfaithful when Mary became pregnant as a virgin, they were like, yeah, sure you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real likely story. Yeah. And so they were probably like alone and abandoned by these people. And this person like allowed them to, to stay in the manger out, you know, like Jesus born into these low circumstances and he didn't use his, his ability within heaven to be somebody greater. But even when he was on here on earth and doing his ministry, like, he became less. Yeah, he, he didn't have a place to stay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love time with family. That's my favorite tradition. Grant. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like reading those stories and stuff, but mm-hmm. mine's a little less spiritualized. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying, though. I was yeah, just yeah. Being, I just being stupid on purpose. Mm -hmm. But I guess my point with like thinking about these traditions is um, in in the regards to this conversation is over time, like we kind of mentioned on the front end, um, Jewish tradition, Mm -hmm. they would add to the law yeah, and they would, they would make it so you could, couldn't even get to sin. Right. And so like you look at Mark seven, six through 13, uh, Jesus is talking to the the Pharisees. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, those these people honor me with their lips, but with their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have you have let go of the commands of of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is... Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you are no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. So, kind of in your face, it's like you're hypocrites, you made these traditions. And then you follow them over you fo- over the word of God, and they actually contradict the word of God. Yeah, and you do a lot of things that that contradict the word of God, mm-hmm. even though you put all these rules into place to not follow. You know, it's like the heartbeat of it is gone. Yeah, and it's easy to get like 
judgmental of the Pharisees within this and be like, yeah, what were they doing? Um, but, but to think of even like ourselves at church sometimes, like how often do we add things to God's word or, you know, feel like things should be a certain way that aren't found in scripture, you know, like when people show up to church, they should dress a certain way or they should act a certain way during worship or. Yeah. Um, he has a hat on. Yeah. She has, she's not wearing a uh, head covering. Yeah. yeah. And, and there can be ways in which like someone can be dressed inappropriately or different things. But like, yeah, for the most part, like sometimes we add on things um, to the way of God because it's the way that we worship Mm-hmm. And we don't love always acknowledging that sometimes people can find God in maybe different ways than we do. I can specifically remember a story in which I was at a camp with kids and there was a worship song on and it was um, like a more upbeat song and, and different things. And so I was dancing around and I was just having fun and I was doing motions with the words and different things. And some of the other kids and stuff like joined me in it. And it was just like a, it was a really cool time of us like worshiping the Lord and like not taking worship super seriously in, but like it was in a good way. Like we were being joyful in what we were doing, worshiping the Lord. Or you know, maybe just not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. That, yeah, that's for sure. And that would probably be the better way to say it. But I had a a leader then come up to me afterwards and be like, Grant, what you were doing was super distracting. And like, you know, like this is supposed to be a time where they're supposed to be contemplating different things. And like, you just made worship a joke. And it was just like, I looked at this leader and I was like, no, like everyone doesn't connect in in that way. Like maybe that is for you. Yeah. And like, I can try to tone it down in some ways if that would help you in certain ways, but I'm also not going to stop my own worship just to like make you happy. Yeah. Um, and I, and I talked about, you know, when Abigail got mad at David and David said like, I'll become even more more undignified than this. Yeah. And, and just the aspect of, of that, um, you should have just said that too. I know, <laughs> I know that story. <laughs> I've heard that before. I know, yeah. who I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but you should have just said, "I'll become even yeah. more undignified." No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, really though, like it's about our heart of worship and and understanding that the way I connect with God may not be the, the way that you connect with God, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And so, like, even sometimes when we have, like, like it's easy to judge the Pharisees' heart, but maybe, like, what they were trying to do was, like, like even in, in this leader's case, like, this leader's case was wanting to make sure that, like, students were worshiping God with their whole hearts. But in, in my opinion, they were missing what God wants and that, like, you know, genuine worship can happen in different ways and it doesn't have to be the way that you've grown up with or the way that you experience worship. Yeah. And so, you know, like the Pharisees could have in some ways had good intentions by doing these things and trying to honor God more with like, you know, if God says to not do certain things on the Sabbath day, like let's even go further. And like, that's good for you. But like, maybe that's restrictive to someone else who like you're putting burdens that God didn't put on someone else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
that's important to to remember in our context. Yeah. Um, because I think that does happen. It's like, and and I think people choose these hills like theologically mm-hmm. to die on, and it's like, is it a literal six days? Yeah. It's like. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, it, did, you know, did this happen? Or was it like that? And it's like, did Jesus rise from the dead? <laughs> All right. Then yeah. let's agree on that. And then, you know, mm-hmm. he is our savior, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, there is, it's can be a good conversation, conversation to have mm-hmm. sometimes, but, but I think overall there's no need to argue and die on those hills because yeah. What what really matters is, is Jesus who he says he is? Yeah. I think um, it's important to have those conversations and things and search things out within scripture to identify absolutely. like um, Pastor Sean at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Like he he was telling us like maybe there's things in, in your life that you feel like are pillar foundations to God's word that you do some digging and you realize like, Oh, that's actually not a foundational, like that's not in there. That's just something that I've been taught or I've grown up with. And there can be a lot of those sometimes. And you're like, wow, that's not even in the Bible. <laughs> or it's written differently than what I re- remember. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, making sure that, and that's what I, I guess that's my point. It's like, it's good to have these conversations mm-hmm. and, and make sure that you're rooting yourself in scripture. Mm-hmm. But but I think at the end of the day, the biggest point, the biggest hill to die on is, is Jesus who he says he is? And I say yes, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I guess that's what I'm getting at. And because of that, like, we have the opportunity to have this relationship with him because he is who he says he is, right? And so, like, what the law didn't do is create that ability to have this relationship like maybe the heart uh, the heart of god was to to set these boundaries for people to live the relationship but the heart of man made it something that it wasn't and there was no relationship there so i'm going to read mark 10 17 through 27 ready yep As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man, the man's face fell. You can just kind of picture it where he's like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich 
to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So it's like the guy had the like had the knowledge and mm-hmm. kept kept the law but did not have the heartbeat forgotten. Yeah. And and if you find this this um like account it's juxtaposed to like the story right before it which is where little children are being brought before Jesus and the disciples are like rebuking the people for bringing them and um Jesus tells them like let the little children come like I tell you the truth if anyone does not receive the kingdom of heaven like one of these children like they will not um like inherit eternal life or the kingdom of heaven yeah paraphrasing but like it's this aspect of like children were like the lowest of the low in society and then like you have this other guy in the next story who is like like this would have been a guy of like amazing reputation i'm sure he was devout yeah i'm sure he wasn't like lying a ton when he said like i follow these commands and different things like people probably saw him as a very righteous man and like the the reason probably the disciples were so amazed is because like they're like, wow, this like this if this guy's not in the kingdom of heaven, I don't know who is. Yeah. <laughs> but like Jesus is telling them like once again, like no one is able to like like fulfill the, the law except for me. Like you have all fallen short. You've all sinned. Even this man who you think is is so righteous, even he is not righteous. And unless you acknowledge that you are the least in the kingdom of heaven compared um, to me and that you need me as a savior once again and acknowledge that, then you're not going to make it. And so like this man, like not the story is about money and things too. And it's a good example of how we should give, but also it's talking about like he wanted to depend on his own works. He wanted to be in control. Once again, he wanted these like, oh, you know, if I if I check this, he wanted Jesus to give him this checklist to say like, oh, you follow the Ten Commandments. Oh, you've done this. Oh, yeah. you've done this. Then, yes, you have earned eternal life. Yeah. And it's the, the concept that we all struggle with. We want this checklist. We want to be like, how, how long's the paper? Yeah. So I can just do it. And we don't want to accept it not being in our control. And that we have to give up and submit to God and say, God, I need you and I can't do this without you. You are going to have to pay the price for what I've done. Yeah. Yeah, that's a you have to come to a very humble Mm -hmm. position of understanding I am so sinful. And yet I am so loved. And I Jesus doesn't want your checklist he wants your heart yeah he wants your whole life and Mm -hmm. not and not in a controlling way not in a um i don't know you think of like controlling as in like you gotta do what i say you know Mm -hmm. brainwashed way but in a way of like to make this world 
what I intended it to be. Mm-hmm. I need your whole life. I need your whole heart mm-hmm. and I'm going to transform it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people can see people in our culture today. I feel like can see that as like, Oh man, it's like, they're not able, they're, they're brainwashed. They're got to do this way. They got to, you know, they got to follow these rules and it's all about this and that. And it's like, well, on surface level, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But when you really know Jesus and know God and know, you know, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, it's it's not some to-do list or some laws or some whatever. It's this relationship of redemption. Yeah. God redeeming you to what your potential is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's just this lesson in humility that we all need. Like there's the classic stereotype of like the dad and it's less these days, but I feel like it, when my parents around their time and stuff, cause we have GPSs now, yeah. but like the, the classic dad that'll never ask for directions and I'll just be like stubborn and like trying yeah. to find different things. And it's like, just, just ask somebody for help. My, my dad would always make the joke. I'm following that guy. He knows where he's going. <laughs> But sometimes we're so stubborn to acknowledge that we need help from other people. Um, And especially we need help from God that we cannot save ourselves. And that realization is a hard pill to swallow many times that it's, it's just not in your control. We want to be so much in control. That was the original sin that, that the serpent tempted Eve with was, Oh, like, did God really say that? Like, you're not going to die if, if you eat, eat of this fruit. Like, yeah. God doesn't want you to become like him. Like, you can become just like him. And Knowing, and he didn't lie to him on that part. Yeah. He said, he, you you will know both good and evil. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he, but he had a big old lie attached to it. Yeah. But, yeah, kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Kind of crazy how all that happened. But you think about it, like, that's a lot of that. The devil still has the same tactics. Mm-hmm. It's like he'll he'll attach big lies to these small truths, and he's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds pretty good." I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that thing happens, and you're like, "Oh, oh, uh. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> and so I think what we're <laughs> I just remembered the <laughs> Mufasa <laughs> from Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, what we're talking about, like, we've been really, like, hitting the the fact that we are saved by grace and that, like, it's not our own works that count. But what I do want to say, like, in talking about, like, you know, like, different people can worship in different ways and we shouldn't be judgmental in certain aspects. Um, but I have seen the other side of the pendulum yeah, in that sometimes as church people we can then go to the other side and say, well, like it doesn't matter how you worship at all. And it, yeah. like I can worship. I, I heard somebody say a, a guy came to me once and he was like, well, I just don't really like reading the Bible at all. And like, I don't really get much out of it, but like I kind of just experience God when I'm like on the treadmill at the gym. And like, that's just where I like, I feel spiritual and like all of these things. And I was like, well, you know, like, that's great that you experience God in that space. But if it's not, then, like, 
accompanied by scripture, by like sound teaching, by like being in community, then like it's it's probably not an experience with God. Yeah. And like he didn't like the evidence here, but like we we all just like there's this new aspect of well I can find God in my own way. I can do it in this this way and it becomes very prideful and it becomes like, no, this is this is the way that God has laid out in which we can know him more. And that's through scripture. Yeah. And then God designed the church for us to be a part of. And so many people are like, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Um, and that is just, in my opinion, not true. Like, I think, I think it depends on how you, you don't have to go that. to a church building. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But you do have to be a part of the church and, and be in, like be in community, be with people that sharpen you. Be yeah. Like, are you reading scripture? Like, mm-hmm. if you if you don't have a, you know community of believers that you meet with, mm-hmm. if you don't study the Bible, if you don't ever like help the poor, like through you know donations, if you don't you know or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't if you aren't serving others, yeah, if you're not serving others, if you're not doing certain things, like. You're not really a Christian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like those are aspects of relationships. Yeah. And so like to me, it's just like so like in, in some ways, like I, I understand people have been manipulated or lied to by false teachers or false teachings that they're following. Yeah. But I'm just like, it would be the equivalent of someone being like, oh, yeah, me and this person are dating. But like. We don't have to hang out to be dating. Yeah. We don't have to, like, spend time with one another or do things that a couple does, like, to be dating. Or, like, you know, like, we kind of just, we acknowledge that we're dating and we we don't see each other. Yeah. And you'd be like, that's the dumbest relationship I've ever heard of. <laughs> she goes to another school. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, you guys are not dating. Does she know you're dating? <laughs> yeah. I think you're making this up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that like that's I think sometimes how people acknowledge their relationship with God where it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know, I don't spend time with God. I don't grow in our relationship. I don't do any of these things to like demonstrate that I actually do have a relationship with him. And once again, the relationship is is God is is our Lord. Yeah. He's in charge of our life. Our king. Yeah. And, and we submit to him and we give up our life to him. Yeah. Like that is what he asks of us to be a part. And so um, for someone to say I'm a Christian, but then to just continue living life how they've always lived it and to do all the things that they want to do and to not give up anything you you do not have the relationship that God has laid out for your guys's. Yeah. Well, and I would argue that's taking God's name in vain. Yeah. Especially if you're doing things that are against what God asked in God's name. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. that is so much of a bigger piece than what we think about because how many times throughout history have – people that have done things in the name of God and really hurt people. Yeah. And that's why the church has such a bad name now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, predators. um, You think about 
the crusades people bring those up you know different things that it's like god didn't ask for this and you're saying it's for him yeah. you know like that is so destructive mm-hmm. but I, I think another thing you know moving forward in the conversation it's like you hear people talk about um the new covenant it's like i'm a new covenant christian you know i I live off of, you know, I'm new I read the New Testament like because of the new covenant with God, you know, through Jesus and and I think I think we've talked about this briefly in, in the past. I can't I can't remember if it's the one that got deleted or <laughs> if it was a different episode, but um the importance of knowing that yes, the New Testament is so important uh and it's really good to to read the gospels to read Paul's writings, to read Peter, you know, all those different writings is super important and, and, and like very valuable, but to get the full context of what they're even saying and what they're doing and why they're saying it the way they're saying it and doing it the way they're doing it, we have to have the old Testament. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I don't think you're arguing for that or not Mm -hmm. one way or the other. I think that people in, at church sometimes, you know, can do that. And it's like, I don't get anything out of reading the old Testament and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, if you start opening lamentations and you see all these weird things, like I get it, but like, give it another chance. Yeah. Examine it within the full story. Yeah. Within the full story. Cause, and maybe even start in Genesis. Yeah. Because that is literally a story throughout. Yeah. Whereas some of those books, I, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a genealogy or um, the the laws, like, you know, all these goofy mm-hmm. different things. And it's like, those are there for a reason. I understand if you're trying to know the full story and, and you're just confused. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Like, keep reading. But I guess my point in saying all that is like we can act as if the old the old law does not matter, right? Mm-hmm. From the Old Testament, but it does. And, and we read we read uh, Jesus kind of addressing that in Matthew five seventeen through twenty. He said, "Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets." I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think for me, you read that and the people that are hearing that the the most righteous in their minds is the Pharisees. Like, and so he's saying your righteousness has to surpass (laughs) the most righteous of this day. How do you, 
what what are you saying? And I think he said it at the front end. He fulfills it for you. Yeah. So Jesus fulfills the law on our behalf and makes the relationship with God right. Mm -hmm. So like as we do all these things that we've been talking about, as Mm -hmm. we submit our lives to God and let God be our king Mm -hmm. of our life, like we are submitting and allowing God, allowing Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. Yeah. And allowing Jesus to be the fulfillment of the law mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. There, there used to be uh, like a tradition within medieval times. Um, medieval? Medieval? <laughs> medieval? <laughs> of uh, in, in some places where you could do trial by combat. Yeah. And so you would um, be accused of probably a pretty serious crime. Witchcraft. Something. And you were like, <laughs> uh, I, I requested trial by combat. And then you would go either yourself or someone else would fight against the, the appointed person. Um, and it would they would fight um, or you would fight for... And if you won, then you weren't guilty and God allowed you to like survive the fight and if you lost, then you were guilty and God has punished you in your sin, um, which we know is not a good way to do things. No. <laughs> um, but you can kind of see the aspect of like, in a way, like we see the metaphor that this was a, almost a trial by combat in which we're going up an enemy that we have no chance of beating. But one of the aspects of trial by combat is you could have someone else fight on your behalf and that person would represent you. Um, And so we have someone that fights on our behalf and that's Jesus. And Jesus is the only person who can win the battle against our sin. There is no one who can beat sin other than Jesus because, and Jesus did, Jesus won that battle. He was tempted just like you and I were. He went through all of the the trials and the tribulations that we face here on earth. He experienced betrayal. He experienced, you know, like friends abandoning him. He experienced people spitting and mocking on him. Mm -hmm. And yet he never once sinned. He won the battle against sin on our behalf. And that is like, that is the gospel. But the, the whole aspect is... If you try to fight that battle on your own, you're going to lose to sin. He every... smoked. He smoked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to lose that battle every time. You're going to Barbecue die. Barbecue chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you have no chance to beat your own sin. Yeah. But if you acknowledge that you, while you can't beat him, there is someone that will fight for you on your behalf that will, will go and, and take pay the price for your sins. That is Jesus then you you can be made free, that you can be made just like a trial by combat. You can go free because Jesus fights on your behalf and saves you. But he will not do it unless you ask for that help, unless you say, like, I can't beat this sin, but you can. Yeah. But but then, yeah, you got to realize that freedom that you have, that Jesus gives you, doesn't allow you to treat others poorly. Yeah. The, you know, I, again, I can't remember if it was the one that got deleted or if it was a different podcast where we brought up the parable of the guy, the, you know, 
the king let him go and forgave his, <laughs> forgave his debt, yeah. but then found him like trying to collect his debt mm-hmm. from somebody else. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, and he beat his own servant. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, the king just forgave way more debt for you. Yeah. And, but here you are trying mm-hmm. to get you, your heart did not change in this. Yeah. And so it's like, it's a heart change. It's a relate, you know, mm-hmm. is your heart posture towards God. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct. And yeah. And, you know, I, I think this can be hard to live out um, daily mm-hmm. and and like remember and keeping it fresh too. Uh, but I, I think when we accept that this is truth and accept that Jesus is our fulfillment of the law and Jesus is, you know, the way like we, of course, um, are, are going to sin still, mm-hmm. but when we do, how do we grieve that appropriately? And, and but then come back to Jesus with joy, uh, because there still is no separation between us and God. Like maybe maybe you confess that to a trusted friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, I'm struggling with this, um, and pray about it, talk about it, grieve it appropriately and move on in love with, of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, we can have that joy that, that God gives us because of what Jesus has done. I mean, Paul even spoke about this. Um, should we continue sinning and let grace abound? Like we don't have this free pass just to sin and sin and sin, but we can, we can follow God daily. Um, this is, like I said, it's not a license to misuse the grace and love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a gift that keeps us in proximity to Christ and right with God. So again, the first step when we sin is to confess to a trusted friend, repent and find joy in the salvation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. The freedom is... Uh, in that you are no longer a slave to sin. So like there's like you sin or versus like you're living in sin. Like you're not living in sin. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes for me, like in honor of Christmas, I think we treat our relationship at times with God like Santa Claus. Yeah. Like very transactional. Yeah. Like if we're good, then we get rewarded and we get presents. And if we're bad, then we get this lump of coal and this punishment. That's um, all I got you this year. <laughs> but <Sorry. laughs> the aspect like of the gospel is not that like, that's what separates us as a religion that we have a God who paid the price for us, who died for us and said like, no, you aren't good. And yet, I still give you an opportunity to have grace in a relationship with me. Like this is the way you can still be in relationship with me. And I would see it as like the same in a marriage. Like if, if two people got married and the husband, as soon as they got married was just like, well, locked her down, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and then immediately gave up and stopped like trying or, um, like doing anything for his wife or caring for her, loving for her. Um, like those marriages, which don't, happen, they don't last. It happens sometimes, but it's like, yeah, that's not a good marriage. And that's probably not going to work out too well. Yeah. But in a way, like you are giving yourself to God in relationship with him. And so like 
Does that mean just like in a marriage that you're never going to mess up, that you're never going to say something you shouldn't have said or, or done something that you shouldn't have done? No, but like if you love that person, like you're going to do everything that you can to love them as best as you can to to like spend time with them, to invest in them, to love them. And when they say like, hey, what you did hurt me, you go, I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah, because I know it hurt you. And when we sin, we hurt our relationship with God. We hurt God and 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 what he wants for us. And so like to repent is to say, like, I don't ever want to hurt you or, or your creation or other people that you love again like that. Like, I want to turn from my ways and turn back to you. And I want to choose you again. Yeah. And, and it Every works. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's just like that, just like a marriage where every day we wake up and we choose to love, love that other person. No and, matter how hard it is. Just, yeah. Just seriously. But like it, just like a marriage, like it can be hard at times and yeah. like we're going to mess up and different things. But well, and I think, you know, being married over two years now, mm-hmm. it's like what blows my mind is how much you have to communicate. Yeah. You have to over communicate. Mm -hmm. And so in that same relationship talk, like, okay, if we're imagining that with like Mm -hmm. with God, how am I communicating with him? Am I, if I'm, if I'm, if am I giving him time? Am I giving him space? Am I reading his word? You know, so like, what is my posture in those situations? Do I, do I take time to pray? Do I take time to study? Do I take time to really align my heart with what he's doing in my life? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, what do I need to adjust to communicate, to open that line of communication? Mm Because it's not God that is not available. It's me. It's me that's not available. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so... I think just continually monitoring your own heart and monitoring your own um, habits. Of- and that's why like the church is so important to have people around you that can like snap you out of those things and, and be like, Hey dude, you're missing the mark here. Or to even encourage you and be like, dude, I, I know what you're going through is hard and yet you're still honoring the Lord. And I see that. And I just pray that you continue to do that. Yeah. Like well, that provides so much encouragement. And sometimes, and sometimes it's not even like, Hey, I see this or Hey, mm-hmm. I, you know, encouragement, mm-hmm. but just meeting together. Like yeah. there's been a few weeks I've kind of come to small group beaten mm-hmm. down, like frustrated with work and frustrated with life a little bit. And, you know, I don't say anything cause it's like, I don't need to because mm-hmm. it's not like it's, things are bad or awful or I'm going off the deep end. Yeah. But just being around a community of guys, mm-hmm. reading scripture, joking around mm-hmm. is so life-giving. It gets you back on track. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, you're reading the Holy Word, but also you're around people that want to pursue godliness. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's just such an encouragement in itself. Yeah. And not, not even like if someone, I mean, if someone was like, Tyler, I've noticed this, like, mm-hmm. I'd be so thankful for it. But just in, just in general and just meeting up, it's like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so when I think about like the law and, and us, like, yes, being forgiven and given grace by Jesus and like not abusing that gift. I I just, I think back to the marriage metaphor and think like, oh, if, if 
I were to tell my wife someday, like, and she asked me not to do something, and I'm like, well, I'm gonna do it anyway because yeah, I know she'll forgive me. Yeah, it's like, wow, what would I actually be exhibiting love? And like a care for her in the relationship by doing that. Nope. And it, it's like, do I even have a good relationship at that point with my wife if that's my attitude? And it's like, do you have a good relationship with God if he's asked you not to do something or he's asked you to give something up or he has asked you to do something and you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because, but, you know, I know he'll forgive me. Right. People use that all the time. Yeah. God will forgive me, so whatever. But that's, I mean, that's what Paul's saying. Like, you're missing the point of the yeah, relationship. Yeah, he's not a get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. He's not a, yeah, he's not a genie. He, mm-hmm. why continue sinning, and let grace abound? Mm-hmm. Like, will he cover you? I don't know. I don't. He knows your heart. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not gonna say he is or he isn't. And there might be things like in your life that like your wife has told you. Like, hey, I don't want you to do this. And you're like, well, I'd like to still do that. But yeah. like honoring your wife and making her happy. Yeah. And being in a relationship with her is so much more important to you than like. Keeping the seat up. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, we haven't actually had that conversation. I'm pretty good about that. Yeah. <laughs> thought it was a funny one. But like, you know, like it, it works the same way in our relationship with God of like, there might be times where like God asks us to do something. You're like, well, like, I don't understand that God. Like, why? Yeah. But then, you know, like being in a good relationship with God and pleasing him and, and being holy with our actions is so much more important than just little things that we have to give up or even big things sometimes. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and. I think sometimes we can look at what the circumstances of our life and think, why would this be different? Like, this is not what I expected. I thought it would be this. I thought God would come through in this way. Mm-hmm. And you go a couple weeks, couple months, maybe a couple years, and you're like, oh, that's what God was doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And it takes it takes time, and it's yeah. not always what we expect, and mm-hmm. it's not always on our timeline. Mm-hmm. But God will a hundred percent always come through. Yeah, I think even sometimes we don't always really ever get to see the answer. Like when we look at Job's story, and he goes through all of that he goes through, and he he demands God for an answer, and like God gives him an answer, but he doesn't tell them tell Job like what what's happened and like his conversation in heaven and like the what would the deal that was made you know he just goes and talks about like job you're here in this place and like where were you when i created the world when i stretched the horizons like i couldn't possibly explain all of the things that go into why i made the decision that i made and sometimes we just have to accept that like god i don't understand this and my grandma was was telling me this. She she said, "I still don't understand the reason." You gotta do the voice. Well, you no, gotta, <laughs> you gotta do the voice. But she was saying, uh, "You gotta do, you gotta do the voice." <laughs> How did she say it? My grandma doesn't talk like that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get you to do the voice. 
but my grandma was telling me like she still doesn't understand why like her son had to die oh sorry yeah (laughs) (laughs) whoa i feel like a jerk yeah um but she was saying like i've still not really seen anything good come out of his death and what happened in that situation um and you know it's been years since that's happened and there might be things in your life sometimes that you're like, even after years, you're like, I still don't understand why that had to happen. And we might not know until we die someday and get to ask the Lord ourselves within heaven. But yeah, yeah, like sometimes we just have to trust that even when we don't have the answers, we do know the character of God. And we knew, do know that he works together the, the good of those um, who believe in him. And love him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, sorry I had you try no. to have I had no idea. What I was you like, were I'm going. not I'm not saying it in the voice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, man. Oh boy. My bad. Um Yeah. That's that's true, man. Like I guess it's all just to the point where we can we trust God mm-hmm. with our lives and trust that he lives outside of time and knows how things work together and we don't have to. Yeah. But I, I've I heard this um, saying once of like this um, old lady in her life who was saying like I don't ask um, for God to like answer my questions anymore like I just ask for the humility to accept His answers. Could you do her? <laughs> <laughs> this is a little less sensitive. <laughs> But, like, I I think, like, yeah, like, just the humility sometimes to accept, like, God, I don't need you to answer why. I just need you to, like, help me trust you. Yeah. Yep. Help my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, hopefully, as a listener, Mm -hmm. you don't think I'm a jerk. (laughs) I don't think you're a jerk. Okay. I appreciate it. I was trying to be silly and it didn't work out. Uh, Happens to the best of us. um, But next time, you know, hopefully you got a lot out of this episode Mm -hmm. um, talking about Jesus and how he is the fulfillment of the law on our behalf and that we are fully loved, even though we're very sinful. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have the opportunity to partner with what God is doing and being a part of his kingdom now. Mm-hmm. Um, and next week, it's like if that is where you're at um, and you want to n- learn more about how to teach other people how to do that, we're going to talk about discipleship. Yeah. So um, what discipleship looks like, how maybe you've been a part, how we've been a part of it, how mm-hmm. we try to put it into action. Um, and yeah, just have a good conversation about now but also looking at scripture and seeing what what Jesus did, what Paul did, mm-hmm. other other script scripts, yeah. scripture versions. <laughs> for uh, sure. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in.